so what makes MICA unique and wonderful for those of us who are engaged and working in it is the opportunity to bring fully who we are, right? So we are Christian pastors who pastor churches that denominationally may look different, but we have a common commitment beyond those differences to work together. And so that brings us uh, from a variety of stands. So that is really at the heart of even the pillars is that it's not about um, a group, but about how we are many members, but one body. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together with you, friend, and share about things happening in our community. Today is no exception. Memphis Interfaith Coalition for Action and Hope, or MICA, host Breaking Through to discuss solutions for key community issues with local leaders. This event's coming up Sunday, September 15th, 4.30 to 6 p.m. at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, Westwood. And today we have a couple in the studio to tell us more about this and how you can engage this time at the church. We have Will Christians, who's the pastor of Shady Grove Presbyterian Church. Will, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having us. I was just recalling, I've been at your church more than once. Matter of fact, I think one or two of my children had their kindergarten graduation at your church. So I have special memories there. Sure. And there was also the, I think you called it PRISM? PRISM, Chamber Orchestra. Which is an incredible thing for youth who have musical talents to be able to hone those skills. And they put this incredible concert on as they finish up their sessions, I believe. Absolutely. That's going well, too, you said. Absolutely. Uh, every 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 summer, we look forward to it. Nice. And the, the church filled with that beautiful music. Oh, it is very nice. Also, we have Rosalind Nichols, or Roz. She's with Freedom's Chapel Christian Church. And also with Stanford Children, a nonprofit education advocacy organization. Now, Roz, this group, Stanford Children, has chapters not only here in Tennessee, but other places around the country. Across the nation. Yeah, across the nation, too. That's right. That's right. Advocating for quality education for all of our children. You're a Booker T. grad? I'm a Booker T. Washington graduate. That is correct. Proud native Memphian, like yourself. Anybody that's from Memphis and been here all their life, I would think is proud. I would think so. I love this city. I love this city as well. And that's really why we're here today, to talk about this organization, Memphis Interfaith Coalition for Action and Hope. We're going to refer to it as MICA. That's right. To kind of condense it. That's right. Who came up with the original idea to create this organization? So in 2016, um, following the incident on the bridge, do you recall the, the disruption, the protest on the bridge? There were a number of us clergy members who had been in conversation about how to react and respond to that. And in addition, our brothers and sisters in Nashville had an organization called NOAA, Nashville um, Organization for Action and Hope. I think they're the same, but it's NOAA. And they sent out an email to a, a, about 12 of us to come together to see if we could partner and create a version of Noah in Memphis. And so we met uh, the the Thursday, the first meeting was the Thursday after the election in 2016, and we came together with a desire to address issues around the city. We did not know quite where it was going to go, but there was a representative, Gregory, from uh, Gamaliel Foundation, who gave us uh, a framework to begin to address public issues. And so that was the beginning. There were about 12 of us in the room. We then were tasked with bringing more into the next room, and eventually uh, we actually met at Freedom's Chapel with a a pretty full house for that one. And that was the beginning of MICA. We 
I think, began to have a name around. We started organizing a name and pulling together an executive team. Uh, Greg and I met and decided that our first two key leaders would be uh, Reverend Dr. Stacy Lynn Spencer. My of friend, Direction. Dr. Spencer, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Rabbi Katie Bowman, who was at Temple Israel, that they would give leadership to us. And so that was the impetus. So it was around issues that we all felt passionate about. Clergy were tasked with coming together, and we've grown from there to where we are today. Well, Will, what are some of the motivating factors that has breathed life into your organization as you met? What were some of the things that got you guys going? A deep hunger uh, that was not being filled uh, within the city. Um, uh, Memphis is is renowned for having uh, a, a great deal of uh, philanthropic motive um, and and a number of of nonprofit organizations. I think there's forty nonprofit one nonprofit for every forty Memphians, um, but yet there was not this umbrella organization that was bringing in other uh, churches and mosques and synagogues and, and civic groups uh, to to come together uh, as a as a partner uh, in an organization to to seek and and act for justice uh, within within Memphis. Um, so we, we we filled a niche that was that was not there, uh, and it was very evident that there was a deep hunger for for that um, for people to come together and and, and put their their uh, their energy and their hearts and their bodies into this into this wonderful and difficult work. Uh, as as Dr. Roz was saying, um, each meeting that we had uh, grew by by leaps and bounds. Dozens and dozens um, more came to each meeting. I came in. Um, about four or five months in, uh, probably in uh, February of 2017, um, and uh, hundreds of people in in uh, at the at Stacy's church, uh, as we were just really excited and um, and dreaming about what this organization could do because it was it was blank canvas, it was totally blue sky, uh, and we had to figure out what paint uh, how to how to paint the picture uh, of of Micah. Um, uh, so it was very creative work. Um, it was uh, just uh, a wonderful opportunity to, to build something from the ground up, yeah. um, and not for ourselves, but but truly for for the people of Memphis. Education, immigration, and intercultural equity, economic equity, are the three pillars which Micah is built upon. What do you see as the common thread between these three? I think the common thread is what we what we quote is uh, Micah where we say we seek justice, we do justice, seek mercy, and walk humbly with our God. I think that is really what surrounds the work that we do, is that how that how we engage one another in matters of seeking justice in these three pillows and how pillars and how we do so in a way that is not for one group or one particular um, constituency, but that we really are looking at Memphis in a from the rubric of that we're collectively better. We're, to, we're better collectively than we are in pockets or, or silos. So what makes Micah unique and wonderful for those of us who are engaged and working in it is the opportunity to bring fully who we are, right? So we are Christian pastors who pastor churches that denominationally may look different, but we have a common commitment beyond those differences to work together. And so that brings us uh, from a variety of stands. So that is really at the heart of even the pillars, is that it's not about um, a group, but about how we are 
many members but one body, if you will. Well, Dr. Ross, has there been any surprises to you as this organization is starting to develop? And Will just referred to how more people are coming into the group and getting behind this. Any surprise? You're smiling big here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So one surprise, for instance, is as a native Memphian, you remember uh, MIFA. So MIFA grew out of 1968, right? and made major strides. In some ways, MICA reminds me of 21st century MIFA. It was brought out of an incident. But the thing that surprised me and that has kept me engaged is as a clergy person, I have been involved in many uh, reactive uh, uh, events where something comes together in the city and clergy all galvanize around the issue. But it's always reactionary. And reactionary among clergy can then fade. We can be very excited at first. And then life, you know, somebody gets sick, church calls you. However, because, and so here we are, 2019, three solid years in. And the thing that surprised me and keeps me excited is that the focus is not on the clergy leadership. It's on the lay people. Our task as clergy is literally to galvanize our people, to to mobilize them so that they take the leadership and then they run with it. Because yeah. if it was, if it rested on it, quite honestly, if it rested on the shoulders of the clergy, it would probably have fizzled by now. Well, Will, as a pastor, I know you're always trying to get your people to engage the sermons you preach on Sunday and to get involved with community. And so Micah is mobilizing and getting, like Dr. Ross said, the lay person involved and taking responsibility, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what what warms my heart and really um, kind of uh, empowers me every day um, is is this work that we're doing um, with the with the the overall uh, decline in in the mainline church, especially. Um, part of what I try to do each and every day is to is to um, is to uh, state in in word and in action the relevancy of the church that we are still. Uh, a, a relevant institution today, um, and not just for personal spirituality, but but truly for uh, how we organize ourselves in the civic in the civic realm. Um, and so we're bringing we're bringing the church back into the into the public square. Uh, you, you go to a, a county commission meeting, and you're going to see folks with mica shirts on, and and people wearing clergy collars, and and we're there not just to to fill a seat. We're there to. Uh, to be seen by our elected officials, uh, to 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 let them know that we're that we are watching them, watching. and that we we have had these meetings with them, and we are are pushing them to uh, to promote equity in the budget for for education and for transportation. We're going to continue to push them to make sure that they follow through with their promises, um, and and continue to make Memphis a, a more just place from their position. You, as pastors, we can't legislate anything. We elect them yes. to be our legislators. Uh, we expect them uh, to stand with us shoulder to shoulder uh, in this uh, continual uh, march towards uh, towards a more just city. I like what you're saying about the church taking its role, really a responsibility to address you know these issues of social concern. If you go back to the founding of our country, a lot of folks don't realize many of them were African-American pastors, probably a dozen or more who were pastors. They would preach on social issues. Oh, I mean, yeah. and their sermons are public. You can look, you know, right. to engage their members to address those issues. Right. This is nothing new, really, no. but it needs to be revisited. That's right, which kind of makes it all the more important for us to remember that our public meetings, 
the first one that we had that allowed us to address our three pillars was at Lindenwood Christian Church. And the one that we're having on the 15th is our next big public meeting. We've met at Mason Temple. We are now going to meet at Mount Vernon on September 15th at 430 Mount Vernon Westwood, which is significant because Dr. Netters was one of the two pastors that stood on the corner and integrated the bus on yes. mm-hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee, right? First African-American city council member. City council member. Yeah. And so it's, it is no coincidence that we are doing this justice work and that we're continuing a legacy of justice work from from a faith perspective. Let's talk about some of the specific problems with the current education system that concerns MICA. Namely, it's funding. Education is a really tough fight. For so many of the issues, the solution comes down to funding. Not all of the issues, of course, but a number of the things that we're looking for is reinvestment. The city pulled out of any kind of financial involvement with the with the public school system many years when ago. We, when the charter was surrendered. Exactly. Um, and we were pushing for the city to, to, to get if they, re-engaged. If they want to say that they care for the future of, our, of the children of Memphis, That's right. but aren't aren't putting their wallets down um, to, to help the, the, the public schools, that's a major disconnect. And the same is on the county as well in the sense that when the county became responsible for that budget, we have been a voice that has continually uh, reminded them that if you put more money in policing, which everyone wants, safe communities, but your budget reflects where your priorities are. And so, therefore, if education is not number one, then what are you communicating about what you really feel? Well, you got one in four graduating on reading level, Mm -hmm. and you're not addressing the education concerns. That's right. Then you're going to have higher crime issues in your community. But if you can address education and get children by, what, third grade, second or third grade on reading level and help their progress. That's right. You're going to see a safer community. That's right. What MICA does is stays in the face of those who are responsible. People every day are working to just maintain their lives. They need voices that will speak for them. We are the advocate for those who are not able to speak because they're just trying to live every day. Another issue is immigration and intercultural equity. And what area does this concern you? So this, the other reason I smile is that when we made the decision of what our three pillars would be, and this one would be one of them, that was major because we live in a city where we could have spoken specifically or generally around race relations. But we were intentional about dealing with our brothers and sisters who are immigrants and not allowing their voice, their need, their concerns to be lost in the conversation. So when we talk about uh, intercultural uh, and immigration equity, we are looking at policing and governance around the ways in which we treat people as human beings, basically. And there are people living in the shadows who don't feel confident or comfortable speaking. And those of us who are in positions where we can speak on their behalf, we feel comfortable doing so. So we have spoken with both our Shelby County as well as our uh, Memphis City Police Departments and Sheriff's Departments around these issues. And very supportively, I would like to add, they, they it's, it is been an opportunity to engage in ways that we feel we are heard and we believe they feel that they are heard with us as well. Well, there's no denying the 
increase of immigrant population, whether it be refugees or immigration here in our community. I was talking to a teacher from Dogwood Elementary just the other day. Yes. She said that in her class, and this is a German town. Yes. And in her classroom, she said, probably is made up of like eight different nations right. that are in her classroom. That's right. And that's becoming the new norm, Will. Yeah. That's a diversity that we should really embrace rather than, than try to resist. With the intercultural and, and immigration equity piece, a lot of what we would love to do, love to have an impact on, happens at the federal level and happens at the state level. So the biggest challenge is what can we do within the bounds of Memphis and Shelby County? That's right. We're in a crossroads. Uh, we have wonderful friends and, and, and folks within our organization that um, are putting their time and energy into helping us become a more welcoming city. Uh, particularly with the Greyhound Station and and the many hundreds a day uh, former detainees that are being released from uh, from holdings in South Texas uh, coming through Memphis on Greyhounds on their way to other parts of the country where they have family. And so we're trying to make sure that the least of these in this country see Memphis as a welcoming place, see see the people of Memphis as the ones that did their best to clothe and feed Mm -hmm. and and offer drink. Literally offer drink, literally literally take water water and blankets and food and, yes, to meet people in, in their journey. Just real practical. Very practical. I wasn't in the U.S., but I was in a U.S. territory, and there was... Kurdish refugees are fleeing northern Iraq, mm-hmm. and CIA planes brought these thousands of people to uh, Guam, the island where I was at the time. Uh-huh. And I remember volunteering with a, a local organization to meet them, yeah. handing water out, a ball for a child, a blanket. I mean, th- just the simplest things meant right. everything right. to a people who had left everything right. Absolutely. fleeing for their lives. That's right. You That's know? right. Our focus is on is on systemic change. Yes. Um, we realize that, that handing out bottles of water while absolutely necessary um, is not a sustainable doesn't fix the problem no that's right um, and so we, we want to look at in all areas look at the deep rooted issue um, and how to how to attack the the deepest root that we can find rather than uh, rather than try to trim off branches well that's and the right. issue is being kind kind not just on the surface but even yeah, deeper deeper yeah, yeah what, that's what, what does kindness really look like exactly. and that uh, in a way uh, what I, from time to time, say at Freedom Chapel is that we can walk and chew gum at the same time around these issues. <laughs> that we can give water, but the issue is why is the person thirsty, right. and that we do both and. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, some of the issues that you're talking about here have taken decades for us to arrive where we are right now. What kind of timeline does Micah have in order to reverse the current state? And I know that's a mouthful, <laughs> but uh, you've got to have some vision for this, I know. Well, yes, yesterday. <laughs> of course we have a vision. Right. We're 50 years past 1968 still trying to work it. So we just need it done yesterday. I don't think the question is a timeline in terms of we want in six months this to happen. However, we are working through administrations which work on budgets annually. So we expect, for instance, the issue around transportation, that issue has been pushed to a forefront so that even on the news now, I, I think Micah can take credit for having pushed the issue to the point that yesterday I heard Van Turner and uh, another city council representative, the new chairman, whose name escapes me now, having said we are going to address transportation in the city of Memphis. Well, I know we're not the only voice in town, but I know that we have met consistently to make sure because transportation impacts economics. Because if people can't get to the job, then they can't get paid. Uh, And so that is a budget issue. And so I think from one year to the next, if I give you a timeline, we're looking 
at changes that we can mark and say this we talked about this year that and so when we come to the public meeting in September on the 15th 4:30 what we will be looking at is what we had at the public meeting last year what our leaders said what our public officials said they would take on when we come together on September 15th we're going to say you said you did this now let's see what happened i guess that gives you a timeline Okay, what are some viable, sustainable ways that MICA provides helpful solutions from its partners? Those You've got 55, and I'm sure those partner list is 58. It's growing. With these concerns, what practically are you doing than just pointing out wrongs? Giving some solution, what can these partner groups offer in partnerships or programs that you might be able to offer through MICA? The government can't bear all of this. Oh, yeah, that's an excellent question. and I don't know what my quick answer would be that when we joined MICA, we were told that we would not have to surrender what we were already doing so that the work that we're doing in our own areas is the sustainability. So, for instance, one of the things that Freedom's Chapel does is a program out of Memphis called Room in the Inn. We're one partner that provides uh, warm shelter during the winter months. Right for those who are uh, what we the homeless, for lack of a better, we like to say shelter deprived. Right, but those during that. So while we're dealing with issues around equity and getting upstream on that at the day to day level, our individual partners are doing phenomenal work in their places, and that's where the sustainability exists. You said that the the government can't sustain all of these things that we're working on, and. That is, that is true. And so it's not just government entities that MICA is uh, trying to partner with um, outside of our organization. Uh, the, the biggest one that we're, we'll be announcing uh, some in fantastic September. progress uh, at our public meeting in September, on September 15th, is with uh, First Tennessee Bank right. uh, and First Horizon. Um, and the uh, Community Reinvestment Act uh, settlement that, that they made uh, a couple years ago and the, the influx from First Tennessee Bank of somewhere around $1.3 billion mm-hmm. coming back right. into, wow. into this city. Flooding back into our community. Um, and we have uh, just this last week uh, started a, a beta project That's right. in, in Orange Mound um, to, to help folks in that community have access, have greater access to this capital that, that is promised to us from, from First Tennessee. Uh, so capital to, um, to, to, to buy a home, That's right. uh, to, to rehab an old home so that uh, older citizens can, can age can in place, in That's right. uh, to, 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 to have access to capital for, for entrepreneurs to start a small business. Uh, to do all these things that are necessary for any community to, to truly be viable. Yeah, pull those communities together yeah. right. in a city that, like across the nation, is experiencing gentrification. People want to stay where they are, and this helps. Mm-hmm. See, you just proved your point there that needs to be shared. There's so many good things happening, you know. Oh, yeah. The faith community is investing and laboring and doing stuff that doesn't get the attention. So often, just, there's the church on the corner. What are they doing? There's a lot happening. Yeah. So these combined efforts with Micah and its partners, you said 58 now and growing. Right. Always. We're much stronger together than we would be individually. Okay, now this meeting's coming up again. It's September the 15th, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. at Mount Vernon Westwood. Uh, you know, sometimes when you go to community meetings like that, sometimes people get agitated and stand up. Sometimes they can get into argument. How do you conduct your meetings? What brings peace to your meetings? 
we start off the meeting with, with rules of the day, um, and we, we certainly expect everyone to, to stick to those rules. Um, it's, it's, it's very well planned. We spend hours and hours and Rehearsals hours rehearsing and this and practicing and, it and right. planning that's it. That's right. And we share with those who are coming. They know in advance what they can expect. There's no, we're not pulling any punches. No gotchas. No gotchas. We're not doing that. And um, I think the context, we have built enough of a reputation that our meetings are well executed. When we say we start on time and we end on time, that's one. And the other thing is that it's not combative. There's no sense of MICA. When we say action and hope, hope is the sustainability part for our organization so that we have not had any, even when there's there's some push and pull, it is very uh, well received and well expected. So it, nobody It's a very come celebratory to, environment. It's a very celebratory. We're excited to be there, right? So, from, so we'll, we'll have our, our city council candidates that's uh, right. and our mayoral candidates present. Um, many of them, some have uh, decided not to attend, uh, but many will be there and we'll ask them if you are elected, will you, will you work do? with Micah that's uh, right. on these out, on these uh, issues that have been outlined today? That's right. And and we fully expect to get a big a big roaring yes. That's and right. Then when when, and they, when say they say yes, yes we crowd, also the <laughs> crowd just erupts with 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 with, with, uh, with clapping and, yeah. and hoots and yeah. uh, it's, it's very celebratory it's and very, joyful yeah, and yeah, supportive. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's it is a beautiful. I'm still getting chills just thinking about uh, our last meeting at uh, at Mason, at Mason Temple. Temple. Yeah, uh, it's galvanizing. How, yeah, yeah, it's galvanizing. Word. Yeah, yeah. We, and a city that that perhaps has felt a little um, underrepresented, or where the voice of the people has not necessarily uh, resonated. People don't feel that their vo- we are giving people agency. We are allowing them to know that we and Micah hear them. We're not representing them. We expect them to represent themselves, and uh, and yeah. And so we have not had any. There's no knockdown. Who's gonna Who's gonna do that at Doctor Netta's church? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it, it's just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful <laughs> crowd that will come together because our organizations. We we're we're located. Our partner organizations. We're we're located from from right on the river out to Cordova from right. uh, from Fraser down to South Memphis, right. everywhere in between. Yeah, um, small place, small organizations <laughs> and mega organizations. And the wonderful thing about Micah is that, I, I joked, Stacy and I are in the same denomination, right? So Stacy doesn't have any more votes than Freedom's Chapel. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been great. Okay, again, the meeting coming up uh, Sunday. Sunday, September 15th, 4.30 to 6 p.m. at Mount Vernon Baptist Church Westwood. Now, if there's those listening that would love to be there, but they can't be there, how can they keep up with Micah and the ongoing work? Oh, if you are, if Yeah, if you are on Facebook, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, Micah Memphis, uh, our website, micahmemphis.org, yeah. um, and all of our contact information is there on the website and, and, and on, on the, the Facebook, Facebook. page. Mm-hmm. Um, Go like us right now. Absolutely. Do it. <laughs> right, right now. Absolutely. Dr. Roz, Will Christians, thank you both for stopping by Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Byron. Bye.